Well, we're going to get right into it. If you want to open your worship guides and or your Bibles, if you're interested, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 1. We're in a series called White Christmas, and today's message is going to be called The Ghost of Christmas Past. And um, as I get into this, um, it may be new to you to, uh, I don't know, hear a message on a subject like this, but I think it, you'll find it very relevant and very personal. One of the things we've been saying at Connect for a little while now is that this is what we would call an all-play <laughs> uh, sermon series, mini-series, because of the content and the things that we're talking about. And every year around this time of year, I try to you know, address things that are, are, uh, f- that are what we call felt needs, things that kind of affect us Monday through Saturday. They're not just ethereal or religious or liturgical, something that you know, uh, just hits our head, but it actually hits our heart in a profound way. And so we've been talking about the subject of forgiveness and the subject of offenses and how they can kind of uh, uh, hurt us and, and, and lock us up. In Isaiah chapter 1, if you want to follow with me, God is making an appeal to us from the scriptures, and he says this. It's kind of like an invitation. Come on now, let's settle this. Or you could say in the South, my wife would say, come on, y'all, let's settle this. That's the Southern version, the SLV version. Um, (laughs) Come now, let's settle this. In other words, let's not go another week, another day, another month, another year, another Christmas with some of the stuff that kind of holds us down and holds us back. Let's deal with this stuff. That's that's what I want to do for you. Though your sins are like scarlet... That, that's really referring to uh, these transgressions, a transgression is, or trespass. There's not necessarily the things that we, always the things we do. It could be things that are done to us. Either way, they're kind of like a ball and chain. They're, they're, it's like Santa carrying presents, but it's not presents, it's problems. And they can weigh you down. They can, they can slow you down. And so though your sins are like that, um, I can make them white as snow. So I have the ability to do something that you can't do by yourself. I can actually do something that addresses the condition in here that will ultimately affect what's going on out here. It can be an inside, a condition of the heart issue. Though they, the they is these problems, uh, the past, the mistakes, the hurts, the hang-ups, the habits, all that are red like crimson. I'll make them white as wool. And then he makes this, this statement that really hit me. And it's something that... Um, uh, that's kind of, it's, it's like the promises of God that are out there are conditional. So what I mean by that, his love is unconditional, but to experience some of the benefits of God, we have certain conditions. Like I love my wife, I love my son, I love my kids unconditionally, but there's, there's relational conditions, things that have to, they have to you, have, you have things, you know, like, Deb, you, you can live here, but you have to abide by the rules of the house. Does that make, it make sense? So God has these, this unconditional love for us, but has these conditions. If you want to experience some of the blessing in your life, he says this, I can make these problems white as snow, white as wool, if only you will, what does it say? Obey me, obey me. And here's the thing about obedience that we don't like, I don't like, and that is you only need to obey when you don't want to do it. That's the thing. Obedience isn't obedience unless... You, ha- you know, you want to go this way, but now you're going to go this way. And so none of us sometimes want to do what's suggested or feel like doing it. And some of the things that we talked about the last couple of weeks are counterintuitive. They're countercultural. They're not our natural default or natural inclination. But to get the white right in here, we're going to have to adopt sometimes a, new, uh, sometimes a new way of thinking to achieve what God has for us. And so week one, we talked about forgiveness is. What is Forgiveness. To understand what forgiveness is, first we had to discuss what it, what, what it isn't. And in other words, our definitions sometimes determine the outcomes, our destinations. If we have a wrong definition, it's going to affect what happens on the other side of it. My father used to say, if it has a flaw at the first, it has a fizzle at the finish. I like that. I like how those things go off the, 
your tongue. But, uh, but if you don't have it right in the beginning, so forgiveness is not reconciliation. I used to think forgiveness was reconciliation. Forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. Ultimately, God loves to see people reconciled. He says, be reconciled to God. He came to earth to reconcile man back to himself. He's given us the ministry. Of, he's for reconciliation, all right? But the point is, if there's an issue, forgiveness is not reconciliation. In other words, I want you to forgive them, but you don't have to walk right back into the toxic relationship. You don't have to go right back into that abuse. You don't have to, go, you don't have to take that unkind treatment or whatever. So forgiveness isn't that. Forgiveness is not marginalizing, minimizing the offense. It's not saying it doesn't hurt. God's not like, what's the matter with you? Pick yourself up from your bootstraps. Get over it. I've faced way worse than you. That's not what God is saying. So we had to discuss what forgiveness isn't to understand what it is. But then when we got down to the business of what forgiveness is, God tells us, hey, you've been forgiven by me. Now I want you to do the same. I want you to forgive just as I've forgiven you. And then he says, to shore up what you say you believe and what I'm telling you is going to help you, I'm going to give you some things to act on. Here's these things I want you to act on. I want you to pray for people who, who, who you need to forgive. I want you to pray for them. It's really hard to be angry with someone you're praying for, isn't it? You kind of get over it. You start out like, God, I go and just smite them in, in the name of, you know, take them out. You know what I mean? Give him a backbone in the name of Jesus. But then over time, it changes, right? So your prayers change. You can't hate somebody that you're praying for. Then you, he says, bless them. Blessing is talking about our words, what we say about people. The Bible says blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth. But sometimes we come to church. Church people are known for this. Kumbaya, you know, praise the Lord, all this stuff. And then we go out into the parking lot and we're cursing people out and giving them particular hand signals. And... God's saying, that ain't good. So you got to have, you got to be blessing people with your words. Then he goes on another level and he says, do good to them. Pray for them, bless them, do good to them. How do you overcome evil? You overcome evil with good, it says in Romans 12, 21. So this was the recipe that he gave us to overcome and deal with the forgiveness issues. Then last week we talked about dropping your defenses. In other words, to get over, to be healed of our offenses, we're going to have to drop our defenses. In other words, we have these walls around us to protect us. And it makes sense. And the Bible talks about this. And we used the scripture last week to talk about this. But when you, walls are not discretionary. So walls don't, you know, if, you, if you're walled from the bad, you're also walled from the good. And so your ability to love people, receive love from God so you can love people sometimes is less possible if you have all these walls. So we have to sometimes bring down these walls. Actually, Jesus came to the world to destroy barriers and walls. If you look at it in Ephesians 2.19, there's a lot of scripture that talks about this. And so we talked about kind of one idea that there's really nobody who has more authority to address this subject than Jesus on dealing with offenses. Because in the, the context of, of his situation is so profound to the principle. In other words, he, um, before he died, the Thursday night and the Friday he actually died, we celebrate you know, Christ's birth today, but his death is a big part of the whole Christian equation. And on that, on that day, he experienced this sequence of offense. He was betrayed. He was turned over by one of his very own. He was falsely accused on Trump charges at a trial that wasn't even legit. He, you know, he was uh, rejected. All his, all his posse left him and fled. Not one stood behind, beside him. Even, even one that boasted he would no matter what. Couldn't stand up to a small child. And then he was abused. He suffered the most horrific death 
that you can experience in human history up to this point. In fact, it's ironic that the one time God did come to earth, he came at a time where he had to die in the most difficult way possible. And then he was humiliated. He was on the cross naked before all. And he experienced this sequence. So, and he was offended. It was an offense. We actually put him there by our sins. According to God's word, I've chosen to believe that, that I don't have to pay for my sins because he paid for them, but sin has a consequence to it, and he took that on for me. And so, so he, in spite of that, said, I forgive you, and, I, and he forgave everybody that was there. In fact, in Luke 24, 34, he said, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they did. They were putting nails into his hands and nails into his feet and a crown of thorns. You tell me, of course they knew what they were doing, but he chose not to charge to their account. He chose not to look at them that way. He chose to see through different eyes. He chose to see them as victims too, that there's a story behind their story. He chose to see that they're not the real enemy, but there was an enemy behind that that was orchestrating a, a, a kind of a chaotic plan to destroy humanity. God, in his humanity, not in his divinity, came, and in the middle of that horrible day, he chose to forgive us of our offenses. And so he, leaded, he led us to this, this journey of seeing people through Jesus' eyes. It was powerful. That's what we talked about last week, and it's critical because choices lead and feelings follow. But today, I want to talk to you about another aspect of forgiveness. In fact, I was going to go in a different direction um, earlier in the planning and preparation for this particular series, but as it began to kind of talk to people, and even look through some things that I was, I was hearing on social media. Ask some questions to people. You know, what do you think is the most difficult aspect of forgiveness? The common answer, the most popular response was, the, most, it, the biggest difficulty with forgiveness was forgiving myself. And I was shocked. I was going to go in a completely different direction. Had some material on it. And don't worry, I'll get to that another day. I don't let anything go to waste. But, but uh, I was shocked. And I just thought, really? Really? That's the hardest thing? But it was overwhelmingly the number one thing that people face. And then I started digging into it, doing research on it, and realizing that a lot of the therapies and the problems that people have and why they get counseling, it's not, about, it's not as much about what other people have done to them. It's what they believe about themselves, forgiving themselves, letting themselves off the hook. Yet, Jesus went to great lengths to demonstrate to us how much he loved us and couldn't wait to let us off the hook. He demonstrated his love toward us even while we were yet sinners. He died for us, Romans 5.8. He's, he's going out of his way. He's going out of, but yet, we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. And I realized, you know what? When I did a little inventory of myself, when I hit the pause button on my own life, I realized I, I have issues with that too. And why is that? And, 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 and it's because there's distortion. Turn to your neighbor and say distortion. You know, kind of look at them weird. You know, like uh, your eyes are, never mind. That's kind of the operative word, you know? There's a distortion of truth, a distortion of reality sometimes in our belief systems that ultimately affect our behaviors. And, you know, we have a hard time forgiving ourselves, and here's kind of the thing I was thinking about, and it kind of comes into the message. And that is because we have ghosts that come into our life. There are these ghosts from the past. They come back, and they speak things in our ears. They whisper things in our ears. They, 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 from time to time, these kind of spirits of unrest, as it were, are haunting us, and they're distorting truth. They're distorting uh, reality. And you and I sometimes can be haunted by ghosts of Christmas past. And the truth is, they're not real. 
It's, it's not reality, but our mind and, our, and our, our observations are convincing us it is real, it is true. And so we adopt and we buy those things. Now, this is a little embarrassing to share this with you, but when I was a boy, I used to have really, really bad dreams. I used to have nightmares, and, and to be totally transparent, I used to have dreams about like seeing ghosts. And I used to dream that I was seeing ghosts in the hallways of my house, and some of them had faces on them that were in my family, so that really freaked me out. And, um, and I can remember whenever I would get up to, uh, to go to the bathroom, I, there was a bathroom like literally adjacent to my room, but no, when I went to the bathroom, I had to wake up my parents every time, and so I'd go through their bedroom, and then I'd come over to my dad, and I'd come beside his bed, and I'd be, I'd be like, dad, dad, dad. He's like, yeah, 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 what? I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom now. <laughs> He's like, thanks a lot, son. That's great. That's awesome. You know, and I just, I needed to know he was awake. So are you awake? You know, like, are you on watch? You know, are you on watch? Because I don't want any of these things to get me, you know? So I go to the bathroom, lights on, making all kinds of noise. I come back out. I'm like, dad, dad, you can go to sleep in about two minutes. Just hang on, just hang on, just hang on, you know? And it's crazy. It was just this distortion. And, I, and, and my mind was playing tricks on me. And I don't know. Some of the t- I watched too much TV when I was a kid. I can remember certain shows. You know, I was scared of monkeys. I was scared of just uh, Amityville Horror. I, somehow, I saw an excerpt of that movie. It's freaked me out. And, and so my mind would play tricks on me. And so when I was studying for this particular message, I found an association between ghosts and... and um, and Christmas. In fact, the word ghost, another name for that is a wraith. Ghost and wraith are interchangeable. In fact, wraith is where we get two words that we know. One I won't talk about. One is wrath. But the other word that we get from this word is wreath. So there's, a, there's kind of a connection between wreath and wraiths. When you make a wreath, it is actually, by definition, the twisting of greenery to make a wreath. But a ghost is what their def- the definition of a ghost is someone that twists your thinking, changes your reality, or changes your perceptions about what you're seeing. That's what ghosts do. Is everybody tracking with me out there? So both require twisting. And in order to get over your past, because of the ghosts of Christmas past, we have to deal with this twisted thinking. So my job is to untwist the wraiths in your life, not so much the wreaths in your life. And so the Christmas, the ghost of Christmas past can manifest in different ways. And sometimes it's this, this faulty thinking, this incorrect thinking about our past. Here's some incorrect thinking examples. Here's what we can do with our past. Number one, we can bury it. Everybody say bury it. In other words, we can sweep it under the rug. We can, uh, here's, here's a myth in our world today. Uh, I was just watching the news. They said this on the news. You know, there's some horrible things happening, and then the, the newscaster was basically saying, you know, time, the only, th- only thing they got going for them is time. Time heals all wounds. It really doesn't. That's not true. Only the Holy Spirit in the context of relationship can heal wounds. People, God uses, it's his system for healing people. We get hurt by people, we get healed by people. And so as Christians, we have these phrases sometimes, I call it kind of Christianese, but Christians say things like, well, that's under the blood. Well, sometimes we don't behave like it's over, that it's paid for by the blood of Jesus. We actually behave like it's under the bridge. You know what happens when things are under the bridge? Dead bodies come up down river. You know what I'm saying? Like these things resurface. They come back into our lives. And so to have these things settled once and for all, so to speak, sometimes are dealt with appropriately is probably a better thing. We got to do this in the context of, the, of relationships led and guided by God's word. That's why it says in your notes, Proverbs 28, 13. This is a great small group testimony or scripture. It says, he who conceals 
conceals. You guys see that word? You may want to circle or underline that. He who conceals, that's basically saying, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Men do this. Men don't like to talk about things. Women love to talk about things. You, you can meet somebody, ladies, you can meet somebody in this room right now, and you guys have a mind meld in about five minutes. There's just like this connection, and like thousands of words are transmitted very quickly. Guys, we're a little slow on the draw, okay? So we don't, we don't like to talk about it, but it says this. He who conceals his sins, his problems, his issues, does not prosper. In fact, one place it says, can never prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces it finds mercy. So you want to get over it, you got to get it out. You got to get it out. That's what it's saying. So you don't have to tell everybody, but you ought to tell somebody to get over something in order to get healed. But many are haunted by their past. Here's the next one. We can beat ourselves up. We can beat ourselves up. This is what we do with our past. This would be one that I'm prone to. Sometimes I think we have these natural propensities, negative defaults. This is one that I'm prone to. This is a twisting of truth, a, a way of thinking, you know, and this, these ghosts come back and they're like, you know, you're a jerk. You know, you did it again. What an idiot. This is one I always say about myself. You big doofus. You know, you call yourself names. You know, you call yourself names. Why did you do that? Now it's ruined. You'll never be able to fix that. Can't be undone. People blame themselves, don't they? They blame themselves. Things that have happened. I've ministered, counseled people who have uh, beat themselves up unpack what really happened, they had nothing to do with it. Sometimes like, they held themselves responsible for divorce and for you know, the demise of a relationship or some horrible thing that's happened and whatever. And they weren't even, they weren't even at the crime scene. But because of this, this ghost of the past, they beat themselves up about it. King David had this problem. In the Bible, he was uh, used by God in many ways, but he'd write these songs and they were very honest and open in the beginning. But King David, just so you know, contextually, he was a murderer. He was an adulterer, all right? And so he had some, how many know he had some past issues, okay? And so he said this in Psalm 34. He said, I'm drowning in the flood of my sins. They are burdened too heavy to bear. Hopefully that registers with someone here today. Registers with me sometimes. Sometimes you just can't handle it. You know, you, you, these problems are beating, you're beating yourself up. He says, because I have been so foolish, I'm utterly worn out and I'm, and I'm crushed. My heart is troubled. Is that, don't you love the Bible? You know, you ought to read it once in a while. It's really good. There's some good stuff in it. It just, it's so much to identify with. So, so here's the thing about David and the Psalms. He would come out and be very transparent and open and, and say stuff like that. That totally right. He said other things too. Like he's mad at people. He let you know, smite them, almighty smiter, you know, crush them, destroy them. By the end, he's like, he gets corrected because he's talking out loud. He's being real with God. He's pouring out his heart. Psalm 62, 8 says like a pitcher, just like, just letting it all come out. At the end of this particular chapter, Psalm 34, 18, he says that he saves those who are crushed in spirit and he's near to the brokenhearted. So, so he, right up here, he's like, ah, oh, I can't make it. By the end, he's like, oh, thank God you're near to me when I feel like I can't go another day and I'm crushed. Humpty Dumpty fell off a wall. You know what I mean? He puts them all back together again. That's what happens with him. Later in the chapter, he sees that. Here's another thing we do. We blame others. We blame others. Now, we've all, <laughs> we've all been uh, exposed to this blame game thing, right? I how many, you know, I'm dating myself a little bit, but how many remember the comedian Flip Wilson? Flip Wilson. 
Remember that? Now, he was known for a particular uh, a little thing. He used to call it, the, the devil made me do it. Does anybody remember that? There was another one he called the ugly idiot. It was ugly, the ugly, uh, um, what was it called? The ugly baby, the ugly baby story. Well, that's a really funny. You should look that up on YouTube. Anyway, but, um, but Flip Wilson used to, used to have this whole skit he did on the devil made me do it. That's his old, that goes all the way back to Genesis. See, in Genesis, you see this blame came surface right out of the gate in humanity. Uh, Adam makes a mistake. God gives him one rule, gives him all this opportunity. You can do whatever you want. There's one thing you can't do. He crosses the line. God shows up. Adam says, it's this woman you gave me. You know? Uh, you know, why do you give me this woman? And then the woman says, well, it's the devil made me do it. See, and Flip Wilson made millions on that. So that's been going on for a long, long time, this whole blame game. Sometimes we blame ourselves. That's another problem that we have. So what's the solution to getting the past out of, getting out of the past, getting this, 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 this problem with our thinking is we need a new system, a new set of beliefs that we choose to adopt and um, God sees our past differently, but we need to see our past differently. We need to make decisions sometimes to exalt his thinking above our thinking. That's what Isaiah tells us, that his ways are higher than our ways. And our, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we have to put, we're not saying our thoughts aren't important. We're just saying these thoughts have to be subordinated to his thoughts. And in doing so, apply those things to our life, and then our life begins to change. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. You don't have to agree with it, but you can at least understand it. So sometimes we're dreaming of a white Christmas, but in order for that to happen in our life, we have, to, we have to untwist our thinking by adopting a new set of thinking. So here's an example of that. You can uh, believe God. Fill that. That's a fill in the blank. You, you, a new belief is that you can actually believe God. You can choose to believe God. In fact, here's a great foundational belief that is life-altering, transformational. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I could do a whole message on this, but I won't. It says, therefore. My dad used to say, if you see it, therefore, you got to see what it's. Therefore. And so he says, therefore, if anyone, that means me. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. If anyone is in Christ. In Christ is a very important term which is used multiple times in the New Testament. It's referring to relationship. It's not referring to going to church. A lot of people meet church, but they don't meet Jesus. So he's saying in Christ. It's referring to a, a um, connectivity, a connection, a knowing, you know? I know Tom Brady, but I know Stacy. Different, okay? This is, this is, a, this is a, the Greek word gnosko. I know my wife intimately, personally, but I, I know about Tom Brady. If Tom Brady walked in the room, I wouldn't, he wouldn't recognize me, unfortunately. He should. But anyway, that's another, <laughs> that's another issue. So the problem is, if you don't believe, then sometimes these problems don't go away. And so my job is to try to convince you. God's trying to do the same thing to you because he's saying you're new in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New is not talking about improved and improving. No, it's new. It says the old is gone. In other words, the ghosts that keep coming up and telling you this and that, and it's not real. The monster under the bed, it's not real. The ghost in the closet, in the hallways, Derek, it's not real. You can go to the bathroom by yourself. <laughs> it's true. You have to choose to believe that. That's what my father used to say. Son, you're fine. There's nothing there. But I, and I'm, my, my eyes are closed. You know, I'm like crying. Open your eyes. No, I don't want to see him. I wanted to stay there. It's, you know, just, just not buying into this new reality because I want to hold on to my old reality. And God's trying to say, it's new. You have a new life. You know, it's not improved. God doesn't refurbish you, improve you. It's not like Windex. 
Windex for 40 years has not changed. You can make it yellow, orange, add ammonia, flowers. It's still Windex. Okay? So God's saying, no, I'm not. It's going to be new. You're different. You're a whole new being, a whole new creation. All right? So how do you get past your past? You have to accept these things. So what I love what God does to help us and convince us that we can give our past is he uses people who have a past that got over that past to help us get over our past. Um, that's good pastoring. <laughs> All of us have a past, don't we? All of us have a past, all right? So God knew that, and he thought, the only way that I can convince them to, to, to let go of these, this, 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 this twisted thinking is to use somebody with a doozy of a life, you know, a doozy of a past. That's a, that's a, that's a Greek word translated doozy in the Greek, okay? And so he picked people with the past to help them overcome their past, all right? So he used a guy named Paul, who was first known as Saul. He has this transformational experience on the road to Damascus in Acts, and he says uh, he, was, he was one abnormally born. It wasn't a normal spiritual experience. It was an extraordinary one. And then Saul is renamed later Paul. It's a long story, but Paul was once a murderer, now check this out. He wasn't just a murderer. He was, by definition, a serial killer. So he signed off on the murder of Christians in the early church. He was the executioner. He, signed, he wasn't the actual one to execute people, but he made it happen. He's worse because he removed himself and just said, you do it. That's worse, right? And so he's a bad dude, and he oversaw this. And he didn't was just random people. This was God's chosen people. These were people that surrendered their life to God, loved God with all their heart, doing good things. So he's a murderer. He's a blasphemer, uh, just all-around bad dude. So look at Here's what happens. He has this incredible experience, and this is what he says to his son in the faith, Timothy. 1 Timothy 1, 13. Look at it with me. It says, even though, Paul speaking, I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I, I was shown mercy. I did all that, but I was shown mercy. And why? Why was I like that? Because I acted in ignorance, and I acted in unbelief. I didn't know, and I didn't believe. That's what keeps us from, from new thinking, is ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So in other words, since I experienced all that, knowing my story, my history, or whatever, here's what I offer you. He says, here's a trustworthy saying, worthy of two words, say it with me, Full acceptance. Everybody say that. Full acceptance. Here's the key. A lot of times we don't move forward, get over our past, get the ghost from Christmas past out of our life because we're waiting to understand it, get a heavy revy on it, decide whether it works or doesn't work. No. God's saying, here's a trustworthy saying. You want revelation on it? You want transformation from it? You got to give it full acceptance. You need to believe what I'm telling you is true and follow it with your whole heart. That's really good preaching. They don't really understand what I'm saying right now. <laughs> I'm telling you. So sometimes we put ourselves in the position of God and decide whether this is okay or not. God is truth. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, okay? So he wants to give us that. So how do you have more faith, sometimes people say to me? How do you, how do you believe more? You have to give his word full acceptance, for, it to, to, for your faith to grow. That's when the revelation comes. That's when the transformation comes. So this Christmas, remember, Christ came into the world to rescue, to save, to seek, not to scare you. But you got to give it full acceptance. So Paul's saying, I was the worst of the worst, and I'll rid you of this twisted thinking with God's help. But here's what you got to do. Here's what you need to stop doing. Number one, stop trying to earn forgiveness. Oh. 
I sometimes think I'm not doing that, but then when I evaluate, I do a little inventory, I realize maybe I am doing it. Have you ever stopped to think, are you doing things to try to earn or deserve something? I was just talking to a friend. I was trying to do something nice for him. He's, he struggles to receive it because he wants to earn it. He wants to, you know, there's this, this, this thing where I get in my debt-debtor relationship. I'm trying to pay. You can't pay for it. You can't pay for your sins. You can't pay for your past. There's no way to do that. It's impossible. Only a sinless, perfect Lamb of God could do that for you and for me. So, so sometimes we're like, you know, am I in trouble? You know, how, 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 am I, how am I with God? Am I on the naughty list? Am I on the naughty list? You know, sometimes people think things like that. You know, our culture, everything in Christmas reinforces this, this notion. Am I okay? I used to babysit this boy in our neighborhood. And I don't know why the parents let me babysit this boy because it was a very unwise decision. But anyway, his name was Billy. And Billy was crazy, and so I, I had more fun with him than I had with my friends, you know? And so, um, but right before the parents were getting ready to come home, Billy had this uncanny ability to know it's pretty close to mom and dad coming home. And so he would come up to me and say, Mr. Derek, Mr. Derek, have I been naughty? Have I been naughty? In other words, he's trying to say, are you going to give a good report between me and mom and dad when they come back? And what can I do between now and then to fix it? I'm like, you got 15 minutes, buddy. You're going to have to really show me some stuff. You know what I mean? That's how we live. Our, our culture does that. Christmas, even the songs we sing do those kind of things. You better not shout. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why you are going to go to hell. <laughs> I mean, that's what we think, don't we? I mean, we're like, we're living our life like we're going to get in trouble. At, you know, check, you know, making a list. Oh, my gosh, he's making a list. Checking it twice. Oh, he's, he's looking over my shoulder. He's Zeus up there. He can't wait to zap me when I do something wrong. You know, and that's not the God we serve. Can I have an amen out there? <laughs> and so we're in a church service like this, and we're trying to, yeah, you know what? That, that makes sense. That makes sense. And you know what happens? The ghosts come right into the room, and they start to whisper in your ear. You, think about, you can't just take what he's saying at face value. I mean, come on. Look at you. You know what you've done. Need I remind you? Brrr. And so you got, you got God speaking to you, and you got this little thing over here, this little ghost in your past whispering in your ear trying to tell you, that's not okay. You're, you're on the naughty list, man. Don't you know that? Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying? Because we still think, in spite of what the gospel has told us, that there's this big scale. And we can do it, you know, we've done all this bad, and I got, a, oh, I got a lot of work to do. If you think you need to earn God's forgiveness, then you'll make other people earn theirs. And it will, it, will, it, will, it will slow you down, it will drag you down, it will take you down if you're not careful about it. The root of unforgiveness, ultimately, is unbelief. We're not believing what God says. And so this is strong, and, and I, don't know, I don't mean to offend anybody, but people don't go to hell because of their sins. They go to hell because of their unbelief. There's nothing in the Bible that says, you know, uh, stop sinning and you will be saved. Through, you know, it doesn't say that through faith. It doesn't say that. It says, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It just talks about belief. It doesn't say anything about your sins. So you don't really need forgiveness. You need faith. You need more faith. Amen? So it just, you know, if you don't, sometimes if we're not given it, maybe we don't got it. That's not good English, but it's good preaching. You know? <laughs> anyway. All right. So number two, defeat. Here's another thing we need to do. Okay. Here's another recipe for overcoming is defeat every lie with the truth. Defeat every lie with the truth. And you won't like what I'm going to tell you in just a second, but it still it just doesn't make it untrue. That is ghosts will come back. Ghosts will keep trying to come back into your life. 
And so people are spending a lot of time trying to forget something. They're praying to forget something. Okay? And, and it won't happen. Say, wow, that's really encouraging. You know, you're so positive. I'm positive it won't happen, okay? Okay? <laughs> so you're trying to achieve the wrong thing. When the enemy comes to remind you of all that junk, pain, abuse, betrayal, humiliation, whatever, all those different things, in that moment, the thing you need is to be armed with God's word. You need truth to combat every lie because he's the master liar. The Revelation 12 says he's up in heaven accusing you. Oh, he th Derek thinks he's always up there preaching and telling people this and that. Let me tell you something about him that they don't know. Let me tell you, God. That's what he's doing. He's spending his time. Oh. And so the Bible says he is, he's a liar. He says in John 8, 44, and you know, it's when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he's a liar and the father of all lies. And so this is what God's doing. He's up there going, I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. But what, what happens is God won't listen, but we do. We do. We listen to those. And so, God, and some people say, you know, well, how, how come God can forget? I'm, I want to be able to forget. That's not what the Bible says. God, it doesn't say that God forgets. That's faulty thinking. In fact, he doesn't forget anything. One of the attributes of God is he's omniscient, all-knowing. So he will not go against his, the attributes, the character of God. It, what it says is he, chew, he remembers our sins no more. In other words, when, God, when Satan's up in heaven accusing us, the brethren to God, God's saying, I, I, choose not to, I choose not to remember that. I choose not to think about that. I just, no, nope, not, I'm not, I'm not going not to take that. I'm not going to take that. He chooses not to remember our sins. It's a choice. And the same thing God is doing, we're created in his image. He wants us to be like him. We need to do in our own lives. Can I get an amen out there? So he chooses not to remember. That's different. Remember, that means that he refuses to bring it back up. He's all-knowing, but when the enemy accuses us, he chooses to remember those things no more. So arm yourselves with the same attitude. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we're, we're supposed to tear down all these strongholds, every pretension, every high and lofty thought that we exalt above the knowledge of God. We're supposed to take those things captive. In other words, if it's not what God says, if not what God's think, capture that. Look at it and go, is that God? Nope. Bah. Chuck it. Huck it and chuck it. That's good doctrine, even though it's crazy words. Okay? All right? It's, and, and so don't remember it. Just don't remember it. And this is going to come out a little, little, hear me, ladies, on what I'm about to say. I had to be careful in the first service because my wife was here for a little bit of this. Let me just, let me just say this. This is a caution to everybody, but especially the ladies. Ladies have this incredible gift, but it can also be a problem, but you have amazing memories. <laughs> come back, come back, okay? In other words, you can be in a discussion. Guys, you're going to have to help me out. I need some help because I'm on the cross up here. You can be in a discussion and you're having a current conversation, right? And all of a sudden it goes back. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're up here, we're up here, right? And, and, and they'll say something like, you said, you said, you said back in, when did I say that? I don't remember that. Yeah, you said it. No, I never said that. Yeah, you said it in 1998 <laughs> on the back porch. The rain, the shirt that you wore was torn with the paint. I hated that shirt. Yeah, you said it. I'm like, what's this not? It's not admissible. Seven-day rule, Okay. Current, current stuff. Help me out, man. Hurry about it. Okay. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's helpful to remember sometimes, but sometimes it's a curse. So we have to choose not to remember some things, right? Okay, here's the last point. Ready? This is an important one. All right? This is how we overcome in this area. Allow God to turn it around for good. 
Allow God to turn it around for good. Now, this is so huge, and I don't know that I can do a good job with this, but let me just say it like, like this. Like, when you're haunted by these different ghosts of the past that try to come up and creep up and get into your life, you know, and, and, and they say, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it, PD. You just, you, just, you know, this, this, you don't understand. These, these things, they're never going to go away. But it's just, all this stuff's just going, like tape, just rolling off. This is going to help you. We have to, we have to accept his offer to look at these trials, difficulties that we face in our life. It doesn't matter what kind it is. Trials and tribulations are coming. If you're not having one, you, just, you probably just got out of one. And you're getting ready to go into another one, okay? Praise the Lord. Awesome. This is an amazing message. So encouraging. Okay, but if that's what's the truth, okay? All right? But when you experience tragedy, you, you can wallow in it, bathe in it. You can, you know, you can play the violin all day about it. But we get to the point someday where all of us have to choose to accept this offer from God. He doesn't say we're not going to have problems. He says you will. He actually, it's a promise. John 16, it's a promise. But he says, I'll help you through it. So some people are victims and some people are victors. Some people overcome and some people are drowned. Some people are saved and some people People, you know, just, dr- just fall off the track. Why? They make a choice to allow God who didn't cause what happened, but can leverage it and work it for good. They invite him into that situation instead of saying, why is this happening to me? They say, why are you downcast? They say, no. What do you want to do through this? How do you want to use me through this? What good can come out of this? I'm yours. I'm your vessel. Show me what you want to do. I'm here. Teach me. I'm ready. I'm willing. That's what people do in those situations. They accept that offer. They accept that offer. And I've, I've had the, the blessing to sit front row with people who are going through hell on earth. And that sounds crazy, but I've been in that situation, and instead of saying, here's your problem, I introduce them to, to uh, what God wants to do that's down here. I say, you know, right now, you guys are having this hard time, but someday you're going to minister to couples. Someday this could be, your mess will be your message. Someday something's going to happen through this circumstances. You're going to minister, and they look at me like, no way, no way. And some people, some people say, okay, okay. And when they make that decision, that's when God works together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. He works it because you said yes to it. Does that make sense? That's what happens. And Joseph experienced this when he was betrayed and accused and all these things happened to him. And he says, you know, what God meant, what what the enemy meant for harm, God worked for good. You know, am I not now in the place of God? Genesis 39, 50. He stood before his brothers and they were like shocked. But he, he allowed God into the situation. He accepted the offer. Many men and women of God have done that throughout history, and you and I could do the same thing. And the devil can seek to destroy your life, or you can allow it to be an opportunity for him to do something, God to do something amazing through your life in the process. Can I have an amen? amen. So here's the summary of the, of the message. You don't need forgiveness so much as you need faith. That's really what you need more than anything. You need to believe God and trust God. You need to put your trust in him. Believe you are clean. That you, you need to be armed with the truth. You need to believe that God can take all this past, all of it, and he can use it. Do you know that? You have to choose to believe that. You don't need forgiveness of your past. You need to believe God can take your past and he can use it. And if he can do it in Paul, and if he can do it in me, he can do it in you. He can do it in all of us. Can I have an amen out there? Amen. amen. Why don't you close your eyes? I want to pray for you right where you are. You can put your notes away. In just a minute, my daughter's going to come up and sing, and we're going to go out of here with a Christmas carol that I believe will be very special to you. But while you're, while you're sitting there, every eye closed, if you wouldn't mind, just, just, just to honor the person to your right or to your left. This isn't like so you can you know, be more spiritual or take a short nap. This is so that you can look at your own heart. You're closing your eyes to look at your own heart. So I just want you to do that right now. Let's look at your own heart. Maybe there's ghosts from your past that keep getting in the way. 
And maybe there's different things, this twisted thinking that keeps coming up over and over and over again. You have to decide to adopt a new set of beliefs. And I can just tell you that the beginning of new beliefs stems from a new relationship. It's not about doctrine. It's about Jesus. And Jesus is the embodiment of doctrine. Your beliefs and behaviors will be a byproduct of being in right relationship with God. Right standing, right behavior. Being right with God, then you'll be right in life. So if you want to get right with God and maybe... You're here and you weren't sure about that. I want you to have a white Christmas. God wants you to have a white Christmas in your heart. I can't give you a better gift than the most priceless gift that ever came into earth. And that was Jesus Christ. He came 2,000 years ago and he came as a baby to save, to rescue, to restore, and to help us through and overcome our past and our situations. So if you're here and you know he's talking to you, you know he's kind of knocking on the door of your heart, You can just respond by raising your hand and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me right where I am. I want to make sure I'm in right standing with God. I don't want to leave without having that relationship worked out. God bless you. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Whole family. Yes. Anybody else over there I missed? I just want to miss anybody. God bless you. Thank you at the back. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. That's so awesome. I want to pray for you. Would you say this with me? Say, Jesus, I know you came into the world to save. And that includes me. And I accept by faith what you did for me. I want that relationship. I want to be a new creation. And I believe today the old is gone. And behold, all things are now new in my life. When I walk out of here, I'm new from the inside out. Because I believe what you said is true. Now let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, for every person who prayed that prayer sincerely from their heart, not just as words they say with their mouth, but as a belief that's also in their heart. It's confession, and it's directly connected to a belief that's in their heart. I pray that you would witness to their heart that they are now children of God. We're all created by God, but we have to choose to be his children. And today, because of the decision that they've made, they are now a child of God. And that relationship, may it grow. I pray they know God, but they also know him better. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Listen, you got a little candle right in front of you. Why don't you take that out? And you can turn that on. And they're going to dim the lights right now. And uh, my daughter's going to sing. And um, this is going to be kind of our silent night moment.
mother and child Holy infant so tender and mild Sleep in heavenly peace Sleep in heaven What I, this is what I'd like to do for kind of a Christmas gift is to create a Christmas moment. You know, in, um, in our life, we have all these voices that compete for our attention. But sometimes God wants to speak to us and he can't get our attention. So sometimes we have to create moments where we're intentional to have special messages that we can receive. Sometimes we've got to create moments, special moments to have a special message. Maybe right now is an opportunity for that to happen for you personally. If you look at stories in the Bible, Moses, where he pulled away from all the crazy and the chaos and he went up to the mountain and God spoke to him a special message. If you look at the Christmas story where what was happening in the world at that particular time is that there was uh, a Roman oppression, there was a census, there were babies being killed, there was taxation. It was, it was a crazy world and yet God called different people from the outside, pulled them together out of the chaos and created a moment around this baby and the Bible basically says in the book of Luke chapter 2 it basically says that angels spoke from heaven and said you know the glory it says the glory of the Lord shone round about and and I think right now when you're holding those candles for me it's kind of a symbol of the glory of God like the light that shone it says that the the people that were there they were terrified and the angel said don't be afraid don't be afraid because Unto you a Savior is born, and he's going to come to the world to rescue the world and to save the world. And so he had a wonderful message, but it was preceded by the glory of God. The glory, uh, Hebrew word is kabod. It means the weight. It's talking about the manifest presence of God. God is omnipresent, but sometimes he's on location present. And that comes when we invite, when we create an environment for him to come. And so as we sing this last couple of choruses, what I want you to do is I want you to allow a moment where God could bring a message to you. Maybe he'd want to speak to you at Christmas. And so as we, as we sing, allow God to speak to you. Just open up your heart right now. And I'm going to pray right now that God open your heart. Would you do that with me and agree with me on this? God, I don't want to talk anymore. I want you to talk to people. One moment in the presence of God can change our life. One second. Something happened there 2,000 years ago, and it was literally world-altering. Our worlds are chaotic and crazy sometimes. We don't know how to change them. We don't know how to fix them. But I know that the glory of the Lord can change that. And so we silence the phones. We silence the voices. We silence all the craziness in our life, and we ask that you would speak to us right now as we sing and as we worship you in Jesus' name.
radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace Christ the Savior is born Christ the Savior Come on, let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for coming down to earth all those years ago. Me. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you did what you did on that cross all those years ago. God, we personalize it. We make it uh, to ourselves today. And Lord, just like the scripture says in Hebrews, we fix our eyes on you. Not on our problems, but God, change our perspective. And may we fix our eyes on Jesus. I thank you, God, that you're healing people just right now. I thank you, Lord, that you're encouraging people and you're lifting up their heads. And any discouragement, I speak against it in Jesus' name. I pray that these people in this room will just have uh, the best. The best is yet to come. We speak that over their life in Jesus' name. Today we remember you. Remember what you did. And I may it be a lifetime of remembrance, God. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Come on, everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, clap your hands for God's word.